Let's get into our message this morning and find out why I have a backboard stretcher thing up here. Because you guys are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get titles that don't give away what we're going to talk about. Now, that's pretty good right there. I mean, am I talking about you guys? Am I talking about somebody in the Bible? Um, am I talking about myself? Most definitely. But you guys are crazy. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2 this morning. We'll get there in just a little bit. Mark chapter 2. Now, let me give you a definition that we're going to be going off of for crazy, not mentally deranged. That's not what we're talking about this morning. I might fall into that also. But we're talking about the definition that means you are extremely enthusiastic. Okay? Extremely enthusiastic. You are crazy about what you're doing. And before we get into the scriptures this morning, I wanted to read something. I had asked you guys a question on Facebook. If you don't follow Orchardville Church Facebook page, I encourage you to do that. Um, get some encouragement each day. We try to get something out to encourage you each day or some questions on there. But I had asked, um, what's the most significant thing someone has done for you to prove they were truly a great friend? How many saw the post? How many responded? All right, 7%. Um, the, some of the ones that responded, I shared it on my page also, so you might not recognize some names, but I wanted to read these answers that people gave for what proved that they were truly a great friend. The first one is Teresa Stacy. She said, when my husband was in a wreck and flown to an Indiana hospital, a friend who lived in Tennessee at the time drove to Sessor from Tennessee, picked up his wife who was home visiting her parents, and then drove to Evansville where my husband was in surgery and sat with me until he was out. They stayed the night and made sure we had what we needed before starting home when he was discharged. That is a great friend. Linda Ellis, I met a great friend when we were going through my husband's pancreatic cancer journey and death. She has been with me through all the other hard times and is always there to support me in every way. I feel God sent her to me so we could be there for each other. She lost her husband nine months after I lost John. She has been a godsend to me. We started the grief support group so others would have somewhere to go and to know others were there for them. Amen. Bryce Henry, after only knowing my college roommate for about a week, he drove me four hours home when I got word that my grandma was not expected to live. This was only after he had already bought me a train ticket and tried to get me to the station on time but couldn't. We had already hit it off really well just in a short week, but him doing that without any second thought truly told me of his heart. We're still great friends, and we take turns taking vacations to see each other. And when he comes out here, he always stops in to see my grandma 11 years later. Marvin Manahan, unfortunately the only friend that has always been there when I needed someone to help me in a crisis, and I was always there to listen to my moments of hardship and depression, was the only friend that I could count on was our awesome and amazing God. And Marvin, you have a family here, too, that's friends with you and, and loves you very much. Brittany Buds said, Time. Whether it's time spent goofing off or being with them during a hard stage in life or after the loss of a loved one, intentional time is definitely the most meaningful to me. Jason Mason from NYOC, the most meaningful thing that comes to mind is when my wife continued to love and support me after I revealed dark secrets from my past that I had never told anyone. Much like Jesus, he knows our deeper secrets and still chooses to forgive when confessed and he is willing to wait for you to do so. Lizzie Frazier, my friends from Chicago, came to attend my mom's funeral during the COVID pandemic. Brandy Nelson, my best friend and her boyfriend, came to my dad's funeral during COVID. I appreciated it so much. Aaron Landreth, three of them stood beside me while I was getting sober. 
never judged, just loved on me and encouraged me. What they did is unmeasurable. And a couple more here. And some people, I think, responded after I had finished up for this week. So if you want to read the rest of them, they are on the church page. Lester Jordan. My friend Ray stood with me and my kids as we buried our world, and he still encourages me not to give up when there are a lot of days I can hang my head and quit. And Sandy Webb, the last one here, I had to postpone a test at the hospital because I was waiting for payday to pick up meds that were needed. A friend didn't know it was postponed and asked how everything went, and I told her what happened. Tuesday of the following week, I received a $100 check in the mail to cover the meds. I am forever thankful for that because I probably would have canceled the procedure since we only had one household income at that time. Great friends. We all know who they are. We've all experienced that in our lives. Um, And a friend, a couple definitions I found on that, is a person who's not an enemy. They're on the same side. A person who acts as a supporter and someone that stands up for you. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. And we're going to get into our scripture this morning, but I just wanted to hit on this friend thing for just a minute before we get into that. And the the greatest test of friendship sometimes is loyalty. A friend loves at all times, no matter what happens. In the best of times and the worst of times, through thick and thin, a friend will be there for you, no matter what. Above, above all else, a friend is loyal. A loyal friend will never betray you or undermine you. They'll never gossip about you, for a friend loves at all times. If you lose your job and you go through all your savings, a real friend will offer to help or anonymous, anonymously get money for you. Again, for a friend loves at all times. If you get a serious disease, or your, your friend will be there. If you lose your marriage, your friend will be there. If a loved one dies, your friend will be there. They will call you, they will reach out to you and come to be with you for a friend loves at all times. If you get too big for your britches, if you begin to wonder, wonder from God, if you, if you have a blind spot and it's hurting you, your, your friend's going to be one that's going to come and comfort you and challenge you for a friend loves at all times and your welfare is more important than their comfort. Always going to be there for you. If something wonderful happens to you, like a big promotion, a significant raise, or a huge bonus, your friend will be glad with you. Again, for a friend loves at all times. If you're discouraged, if you're worried or hurting, and you need someone who will just listen to you without being judgmental, even if it's 2 a.m., then you know you can call your friend because they will love you at all times. This kind of friend, this loyal friend, a friend who loves at all times, is a great gift from God. I've got people like that in my life. I'm thankful for them. Do I have friends like this? Yes. But the question should be, am I a friend like this? Am I that person? That no matter what, I'm going to do these things that I talked about here for the person that I'm friends with. And this morning as we talk about the title, You Guys Are Crazy, I want to read this passage in Mark where a group of friends were crazy or enthusiastic enough to believe in the power and the ministry of Jesus and did whatever it took to help their friend. They were loyal and they were a little crazy with what they did. Let's turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. You guys with me? Are you guys crazy? We'll see. (laughs) When Jesus returned to Capernaum, 
Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Um, Jesus had just returned to Capernaum after one of his preaching tours and did not, it did not take very long for the news to get around that he was back home. Okay? Locals started mobbing him. They start packing this place in. And he uses the opportunity, you know, he's probably worn out, but he uses the opportunity to preach to them, to share the gospel, which he was sent to do. And we know how popular Jesus was. And in order to kind of understand these scriptures a little bit more, we need to visualize what the layout was of this house they were at, this Palestinian peasant's house. It's usually a small one-room structure with a flat roof. And access to the roof was by means of an outside stairway. And the roof itself was usually made of wooden beams with thatch and compacted mud in order to shed the rain. And after it rained, they'd have to go back up there and roll it out some more to keep it packed in. And sometimes tiles were laid between the beams and the thatch and mud placed over them. Now, here's where the story gets a little crazy. These four men almost frantically are trying to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus so Jesus would heal him. They're going to do, as you read this, it seems like whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. You guys are crazy. Whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. And I, they could not have been concerned about the damage they were doing to the home because they're breaking apart this mud and the stuff that's packed in and the thatch and, and any tiles, and they're breaking this stuff off because they're desperate for their friend to be healed and to meet Jesus. Now, I can just imagine standing there if I'm Jesus or anybody in that room, for that matter, and all of a sudden you hear something on the roof. Roof? Roof? What do you say? It just sounded funny when I said it. But you're in there, and you start hearing things, and then you start seeing maybe dirt sprinkling down. And in my mind, if I'm there, I'm thinking, what in the world are they doing? Do not realize Jesus is in here? Why is somebody up there messing around? And dirt's falling down. They're trying to make room for their friend to come down. Not just come down. It's not, you know, he's paralyzed. So the way they're going to send him down, I don't know how big they had to make that hole, but it had to be pretty good size to get him through there. 
And they were not stopping at anything to get their friend to Jesus. And when I read this story, I want to be this crazy too. I want to have this much passion for my friends or people that don't know the Lord that I'll do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. I'll do whatever it takes. And sometimes I wonder, am I doing everything it takes to get people to Jesus? I can say, yeah, I get to preach every Sunday. That helps get people. No, I think there's more than that. I think it's more than just showing up to church on Sunday and and hoping people will get to Jesus. I think there's a lot of things that we do outside this building that will get people to Jesus or turn people away from Jesus. But I want to be this crazy too that I'll do whatever it takes. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I want to get people to Jesus. And the several characteristics of these guys, qualities that we should kind of take notice of as fishers of men. They were deeply concerned about their friend. How many of you guys have friends that are headed to hell right now? A lot of hands should be going up. You know people that right now the life they're living without Jesus is leading to a path of destruction. Are you concerned? They were deeply concerned about their friend and wanted to see him helped. They had faith to believe that Jesus could help them. That he could help their friend. Do we have that kind of faith? If I could just get my friend to church, Jesus is going to do the rest. If I can just be bold and courageous and share the gospel with my friend, Jesus will put the word, the Holy Spirit will put the words in my mouth to speak to them. If I just be crazy enough to to take a step of faith and invite them to church, maybe they'll come. And they didn't, what I love about this is they didn't simply pray about it, but they put some feet to their prayers and did something about it. Uh, Sometimes, and and this sounds really bad to say, but we, we, sometimes we take prayer as a cop out. Like, I'll pray for you. And sometimes we walk off and don't pray. Or maybe we go up and we do pray for somebody, but there's probably a little bit more we can do to help that situation too. And we back off of that. Maybe I'm wrong. It's good to pray for people, but there's other times when you can probably help the situation by doing a little bit more. By supplying some time if they need the time. By supplying some finances if they're going through a rough time. There's things we can do to be enthusiastic about reaching them for Christ. They didn't permit difficult circumstances to discourage them. Oh, I had this happen, so I really can't... You know, I can't work on witnessing to my friend this week because this happened to me and I'm really going through this and it's just going to be too hard to reach out to them this week. They didn't permit that. They worked together and dared to do something different and Jesus rewarded their efforts. I love when, when the Bible talks about when you're faithful in the small things. God will give you more. And the little things about witnessing and showing love to people, I believe God blesses that. And you see his hand at work in that. And the effort that you put into that. You know, 
when you look at this story, how easy would it have been for them to, to get there with him, walk up, see the crowd, jam-packed, and just turn around and say, maybe tomorrow. We'll try again tomorrow, buddy. Or, I'll just leave you right here because I am tired of carrying you. You know, maybe he'll come out and you can get a glimpse of him when he comes out, but I'm out. They didn't do that. What they did was worked as a team to make sure that their friend encountered Jesus. I asked four guys to help me out this morning if they could come up here. I think they're all in the house. up guys <laughs> teamwork now you don't have to do this official Dylan okay because I kind of made some knots in this stuff but let me see Joseph will you help me out today <laughs> I need you to lay on this backboard Joseph stretcher for me you are the man in the story. You are. Can you lay down, please? <laughs> We're going all in here, Joseph. All right. So here's their friend. And here's my four guys that are friends with Joseph. They're going to do whatever they can to get him to Jesus in a safe way. <laughs> Let's go. Let's pick him up. Two on each side. We're just being safe. Safety first, Joseph. All right, let's go, guys. So, in this story, hey, you guys are pretty good at this. <laughs> Keep following. In this story, they're taking him, wherever they're taking him, all over the place. And I'm sure it was tiring physically. But you have to understand the passion and the love that they had for their friend. Let's go up here, guys. That they were going to do whatever it took. Please help him, Lord. <laughs> to get their friend to Jesus. It didn't matter what was in their way. They knew that he needed to touch. And they knew who Jesus was. They'd heard about him. They understood the miracles and healings that he was doing. Let's go down here, guys. And, and, and I don't, Joseph's not that big of a guy, but I'm sure you're getting a little bit tired right now. I could have picked somebody else. But they kept working together as a team. And here's the thing with the team. Go ahead and set them down for now. Let's give you guys a break. Here's the thing with the team. And we're, the church, we are a team. Now, whether you want to get on board with the team or you don't, that's up to you. Okay? I, I coached for several years. And when people don't want to get on board with the team, then me and them had a talk. And I say, you can either get on board with us and what we're trying to accomplish as a team, or you can not be on the team. I can't say that as a pastor, <laughs> but I can encourage you to get on board with us. You know, sometimes on teams, there's cancers. You know what they do on a team? They eat away at everybody else and destroy everything that's going on. So we don't want that on a team. We don't want that in the church. Everybody's on the same page about doing what? Reach, 
teach, serve. That's it. That's our goal. To see people one to Jesus. Nothing else. Everybody on board with that? Okay. Here's the thing with the team. Again, when I'm talking about this, two of you get on one side. Okay. Pick him up, you two, on this side. Go ahead and pick him up. Get over there, Dalton. Nate's right here. Not all the way. Let's just see what's going to happen. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going to happen if we don't have everybody working together? We're not going to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And if two of them on there said, hey, I'm, I'm tired, I don't want to do this anymore, then he's never going to get to see Jesus. He's never going to be healed. He's never going to be saved, which happened first for him, if they're not all working together. What if, what if three out of four? Can they do it? No, we need all of them. Because he might slide off this way at the end because we don't have all four. Pick him back up. Let's get this man to Jesus. Let's go back that way. And you guys can safely set Joseph down. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Joseph. You can walk now, by the way. Maybe that was a cheesy example, but I hope it spoke to you that we need everybody to do the same thing and be pulling in the same direction to see souls saved. We all have a part in that. We all need to be stretcher bearers or mat bearers and bringing people to Jesus, not just not actually like this, but we all need to, to be a part of bringing people in here. And as we bring them in, We'll just pretend this is a person. We bring them in. We're carrying this stretcher. We're bringing them because we know they're hurting. We know they're going through stuff in life. And we take them here to the altar and we let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. And his Holy Spirit starts changing them. And then we go get another one. And then we bring them in here again and let the Lord do what he does. It's nothing that we do. It's his might, his spirit, his power in us. And then we go get another one. Every week, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a team, then there should be guests in here every week. There should be visitors. There should be people that don't know the Lord or are struggling in life should be here every single week. If we're going out crazy, enthusiastic, and excited about what God did in our life and we want to share that with other people, we should be doing that. bringing the unsaved in so they can hear the gospel. There's so many people in the world today that are paralyzed by sin, paralyzed by addictions, paralyzed by gossip. You know, we like to point at certain sins and think those are worse than other ones. And, you know, people that gossip or tell lies all the time act like that's okay. It's not. There's people that are going through stuff, that are dealing with things, and the only way they're going to come into this church is if you go out and grab a hold of that stretcher and bring them in. They need to see God's love in action. I want to look back at one more thing as we get ready to close out here. I want to point something out in it. And Jesus saves the man's soul first because that's what's most important. And then he heals him as well. 
But it's the reason why that's really, that really stands out to me in this in verses three through five. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Did you guys catch that? I'm going to repeat it. This, this part here that really just jumps out at me. And when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus healed him as a result of his friend's faith. It's amazing that my faith can help save someone else. That when I share God's love with someone, again, it's, it's nothing but what he's pouring into me. It's nothing that Rick does on his own. It's nothing that Sarah does on her own. It's nothing that Walker does on his own. It's, it's God working through us. These were real, true, dedicated friends. You know, there, I've, I've met some people that were pretty sarcastic in my life, myself included. And, and, and there's probably people out there, when you see someone that's been paralyzed for a long time, and somebody's crazy enough to step out in faith and say, let's take him to church, or let's take him to meet Jesus, let's take him to get healed, there are some people that would laugh in your face. But that's not the God I serve. I believe... In my heart, everything that the Bible says. I believe when I pray in Jesus' name, the stripes upon his back were for everyone's healing. Does it always happen? It does not, but that does not change my mind about who he is and how powerful he is. I still believe that when I lay hands on the sick with the power of the Holy Spirit working through me in Jesus' name that they can be healed. I just believe it. But there's some people that don't, or they doubt. These were friends with faith. They weren't just strong guys like the four I had here. They believed in what they were doing. And they believed Jesus could, to, could heal their friend. Our praise team would come back up. Church, there are a lot of hurting people that we run into every single day. Every day. That needs you to take them by the hand and introduce them to the one that changed your life. For whatever reason, whether that's fear, and I'm, I've stressed this some in the past, if you're afraid right now to stand up for Jesus and share your faith, I am really, really, really worried about you come persecution time. And I was talking with uh, Gary Rayburn a while back, and we talked about sharing testimonies. And I listened to his testimony, powerful if you've not heard it. You know, that's a guy that got a lot of signs from God. <laughs> But your testimony is yours. You know exactly who you used to be and who God changed you into now. 
That is the easiest story to tell because it's yours. When I go talk to people, I usually try to find some, one thing that we have in common, just one. When I've worked with the youth, one thing, if I can find one thing in common, we can start having a conversation, a relationship, and building a friendship. But my story is different from Adrian's, is different from Bear's, is different from Marvin's, from Phillips. My story's different. So when I come across somebody that deals with depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, panic attacks, that was me. So instantly, I'm like, you got this one, God. Because I know. I know what you did for me. And you can do it for them. So there's a certain group of people that, you know, I think that I have, it's not a gifting, but I have experienced them because I went through it. But I can, I can talk to anybody. Sarah will tell you that. But we all have a different story and there's somebody out there that needs to hear it. They have to know that their hope can be found in Jesus. That we don't have to walk around hurting and and going through life by, by ourselves, that we've got friends that believe in us and they believe in the power of Jesus. So if you guys will stand this morning. You know, I asked myself a few questions on this. How, how would things change if I took some tips or pointers or lessons from these four guys in this story and believed like that? What if, I, what if I was as dedicated to my friendships as they are? Or how about what if I was a friend that didn't expect anything in return in our selfish world that we live in today? How would God use me if I had more faith? If I was crazy in an enthusiastic way about the Great Commission? If I was crazy about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here's what I don't want to happen in my life. And I'm wrapping up, I promise. This is what I don't want to happen in my life. I don't want it to happen in yours. I don't want my friends or my acquaintances or my family members to one day say, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? And I don't even want to envision someone from hell screaming out, Rick, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you have the courage to talk to me? I don't want to think about those things. I want to challenge myself to be more bold with my faith and know that I did everything I could, Lord, to share your gospel with people. I did everything I could. You guys will bow your heads. Just challenged myself this morning as I preach this, and I and I hope it challenges you to be that friend, be that person that says, I will be crazy, I will be enthusiastic, I will be excited about sharing my faith, and I'll do whatever it takes to get the people that I know to Jesus. I will share his love. 
I will stand in the gap. I will intercess on their behalf because I don't want anyone to perish. I want them to make it to heaven. So this morning as we open up the altars for prayer and for worship, if you're in here this morning and you say, I'm not doing all I can as a friend to witness to people, to show God's love to people, I can do better. Then I want you to come spend some time in prayer asking God to ignite something inside of you that says, I will not stop. I will not take a break every single day. I will not take a break of showing God's love to people and trying to win people to Christ because I don't want anyone to perish. Just the same as God the Father. And if you need prayer for healing, finances, anything mentally, if you need to stand in for a family member or a friend, I encourage you to do this morning. Let's just, let's just encounter God and His Holy Spirit this morning and seek Him as we worship and pray.